Almighty God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, on this All Saints Day, we give thanks to you. For those special people who have gone before us in the faith, in many cases, we stand on their shoulders today, giving thanks for your faithfulness to them, that the faith might be passed on to each one of us now. We praise and glorify you, O Father, through Jesus Christ, our Savior. And may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, through Jesus and his blood. Amen and amen. So our sermon text is on the back of your bulletin. And uh, I was going to do the first reading for this evening. Uh, Reverend Dr. Seltz will be covering part of that this coming Sunday. And so I thought, well, uh, I'll do the epistle reading for tonight. And uh, it's very short. And we're going to be looking primarily at the first two verses. Uh, And this is from 1 John chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. We read, See what love, and the word love there is the word agape, and it's a baptismal word. It is what the father spoke to his son at his son's baptism. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. This word is spoken to us in our baptism. It's spoken to us this night for our Lord loves you so much that he gave his son on your behalf. And in the waters of the Jordan, our Lord, God's own Son, stood in unity with every sinner. It was a sinner's baptism that he submitted to. See what love the Father has given to us, that we should be called the children of God. And this recalls John chapter 3, that we are born from above and we are born of God. And this is what we are. And he stresses that. This is what we are. And the reason for his stressing it will become evident in a moment. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. For our Lord Jesus, it was a lonely journey through this world. He came to his own. His own did not receive him. It is at times a lonely walk for us. The world that did not know and recognize and receive him at times will not know or recognize or receive us. It's part of the cost of bearing the honor of being God's child. And we would that all people share this honor with us. There's a price to be paid for this honor, this status that we've been given. The world does not know us because it did not know him. Beloved, there's that word again. This is my beloved son. With him I'm well pleased. You are the beloved of God. Beloved, we are God's children even now. Even now. What we will be has not yet been made known. It has not yet been revealed. And that's the challenge before us tonight. 
you and I have this status that even the angels of God do not possess. They are not God's children, they are servants of God. And by the grace of God, they serve us as well. They don't have the status of children. You and I do. But here's the problem. We don't look like children of God. We don't look any different than the people driving up and down Central Avenue. You know that and I know that. You can't tell a child of God from an unbeliever on sight. You can't do it. And not only that, not only are we unrecognizable or indistinguishable from the world on sight, but even in our weaker moments, our behavior is no different than the children of this world. You know that and I know that. And we confess it before the Lord every Lord's Day and tonight as well. Because we know we have a forgiving God. We can afford to be honest with Him about our mistakes and our failures because He forgives them all at the cross. But our eyes tell us a different story. And that's the challenge. And that's point number one in your outline, the challenge to faith. God doesn't seem to make sense. We're called children of God, but we may not feel any different than we did a moment ago. And in our weakest moments, we may not act any different than anyone else. Point A, we are called children, meaning children of God, but our senses contradict this. Our senses contradict it. As I said, we're indistinguishable from others. And sometimes even in our behavior. And point B, in this world, God's word and our senses don't agree. When I conduct a funeral, I stand next to a corpse. And I have the audacity to proclaim that these bones will live. This body will not remain dead, but will rise again. Now that contradicts what I see, and it contradicts your experience and my experience. And that's the challenge to faith. When I share the gospel with a fellow sinner, I look him in the eye and I'll tell him, you are a forgiven child of God. You are righteous before God. You are holy before God. You share his holiness. But that person doesn't look righteous or holy and certainly doesn't always act that way. What we say and what we believe is constantly being challenged by what our eyes see. And yet, point C, what God calls us is what we truly and really are. What God says is, despite the evidence of our senses, I love uh, Genesis 18. God is speaking with Abram, this childless, elderly man. And he says, your name will no longer be Abram, but Abraham, which means father of a multitude. 
He said, for I have made you a father of many nations. It's not that I will make you that, but you are that now. Without a child, you are now the father of a multitude, Abraham. That's who you are. Our Lord says to Peter, a man who, like many of us, uh, was spiritually unstable, you know, gung-ho for the Lord one moment and, and cowardly uh, the next. And yet, our Lord said to him, you are Peter, you are the rock man. And by the power of God's word and by the grace of God, that's what he was. I cite Romans chapter 4. Paul speaks of God this way. We worship the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. That's God. That's our God. He gives life to the dead bones and he calls into being that which does not exist. And point D, in this world, God makes himself known to us through the mediation of words, water, bread, and wine. Many of you are familiar with the story. We've, I've told it many times from Exodus chapter 33 where Moses is on the mountain speaking to God and Moses wants to become intimate, very close with God and he says to God, show me your glory. Show me your face. Okay. And God refuses and he says, no one can see my face and live. But here's what I will do. I will I will put you in a cleft in the side of the mountain and I will cause my glory to pass by you and you will look at my backside, my hindquarters. That's the only part of God we can behold in a safe, secure way. His full bore glory we cannot withstand. Sin still clings to us. Our sinful nature is still with us. God keeps his distance from us in this world. Not as a punishment for us, but as protection for us. To see God's face is to die. And to see his face is to know him most intimately. But that's impossible today. Today, we behold the backside of God. And Luther understood Moses correctly, Exodus 33 correctly, that the backside of God is the cross. That is the shameful side of God, the unseemly side of God. That is God in weakness, God in suffering, for our sake. And for our sake, it is to us the glory of God hidden under weakness and shame and rejection. 
Now we behold the backside of God at the cross. And this is why John writes in his first chapter, No one has seen God at any time, but the only begotten God who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. He has revealed him. All that we can know about God this side of heaven is contained right there in that cross and the bleeding and dying Savior on it. That's as much as we can know. It is as close as we can get. It is as intimate as we can be with God today is to behold God in suffering and shame and death. And this is why St. Paul wrote, now we see through a glass darkly. But then, on that day, face to face. Now we know in part. But then we will know, even as we have been known by God. Then we will know, even as we have been known by God. And today, this side of heaven, we can know God only through these means, through words. Not words spoken directly by him. We, we cannot withstand that. When God spoke to Moses on the mountain, the ground shook. It thundered. And the people cried out. They said, Moses, you talk to him. You let him talk to you. And then you come and tell us what he said. We cannot bear his voice lest we die. And so today we hear his word, not spoken directly by him, but spoken by someone else, by the pastor, by a teacher, by a parent, by a peer. That's how we hear him now. That's how, that's how we can withstand him now. And through water, through wine, through bread, through, through these means that are safe for us to receive, he graciously comes to us, forgiving us all of our sins, giving us new life and a hope and a future. That's today. This world. Roman numeral two, the world to come is very different. And I'm speaking now of the resurrection, the new heavens and the new earth. This is what heaven is. This is what eternity is. It's not floating around on a cloud in heaven. It is concrete. It is Eden restored. It is a new heavens, a new earth. And God will dwell upon it. We read that in our first reading for this evening. We read that he will pitch his tent over us. That he will cover us with his presence. There won't be any more distance. The world to come is a sensory experience of God that we're denied today. We're denied it for our protection. But in that day, we're given the sight of him. That's point A. We will see him as he is. Job said it in this way, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that my Redeemer lives. And in the end, he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet 
in my flesh I will see God. In my flesh I will see God. And John in Revelation 22 says this of, of the saints in glory, they will see his face. What we are denied now, we will be privileged to see. And point B, we will hear his voice. In Revelation, we read that his voice is like the sound of many waters. When, when John hears it, he falls down like a dead man. But in that day, we will hear it, and it will be music to us. To hear him directly, not through someone else, but to hear his voice. And point C, we will experience his touch. Our first reading for this evening ends in this way. And he, personally, will wipe every tear from their eyes. And point D, the distance, the danger sin has caused has been overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Christ has closed the distance between God and us. He has removed the obstacles between God and us, the obstacle of sin. In verse 3, we read in our sermon text, and all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. This is not a meritorious work. This is faith. We have this hope in us, and it purifies us. I don't know if I trust most of us have probably had the experience of being in an IMAX theater, and you have this huge screen, and, and you've got surround sound, and it's, it's like you're there, but you're not. It's only an illusion. And yet, the technology is such that it affects our senses in a certain way that we almost have the feeling of being there. It's, it's as close as we could get, I guess. Reminds me of my son-in-law, my, I'm sorry, my grandson, William. We were at the Texas Roadhouse on Sunday after church, and. Um, He's looking into the bar, <laughs> and the bar is this uh, flat screen, and there's a football game going on, and um, he's just sitting there like, you know, he's transfixed by a two-dimensional flat screen, and it's some distance away. I mean, it's in the bar, for crying out loud but he's transfixed by it. You know, when we see him as he is, when we hear him as he speaks, when we experience his touch, his presence will fill our senses in such a way. It's not an illusion, it's not IMAX. This is reality. This is what we have been denied for our protection today. It is what we will experience in heaven. Full bore God. And there will be nothing like it. And, and, and I imagine, I can only imagine, that the God who made all things, the God of creation and the God of redemption, 
who condescended to bleed and die for us and rise again for our salvation. This God will fill our senses and occupy us for eternity. We really need nothing else because everything else that we long for in this life is mere substitution for him. And in that day, we will experience what we were made for, what Adam and Eve experienced before the fall. Only this will be much more glorious. And it is God face to face. In Jesus' name.